You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast with Ari Goldwag, recorded with Hashem's never-ending assistance in Ramah Israel, 5784, 2023. This week we do not have a Parsha. We begin the holiday of Sukkot. We're going to read about Sukkot. The following week is going to be Simchas Torah here in Israel. And we're going to read from the last Parsha of the Torah, Vezidos HaBracha. We're going to start the Torah anew with Breshis. But I'd like to share with you some thoughts about our holiday, about Sukkot, Zaman Simchasenu, it's a time of tremendous joy. And we have so many mitzvahs. We get to sit inside of the Sukkah, eat our meals in the Sukkah, be metayel, as the Gemara says in the Sukkah, hang out in the Sukkah, spend time with our families. We have the mitzvah of the Arba Minim, the four species, the Lulav, the Esrog, the Hadasim, the Aravais. And I'd like to share with you some thoughts about it. These are mitzvahs that are very precious to the Jewish people. These are mitzvahs that we hold very dearly, that we hold dear. And I'd like to think about and share with you some thoughts of my own. I want to tell you that of all of the holidays, if you would ask me which is my favorite, so of course we're not supposed to have favorites, but Sukkot is my favorite. And part of it is because in 11th grade, 27 years ago, with with my Rebbe Rabbi Yehoshua Kalish, we completed Masechah Sukkah. It was the first tractate of, of the Talmud that I completed, 55 pages. And I've completed it numerous times since then. And so it has a special place in my heart. And not only that, but I was thinking recently about the fact that about 25 years ago was the first time that I spoke publicly in this type of forum where I create some kind of idea, bring together different ideas and present it in front of an audience. It was in front of a live audience. It was in the young Israel of West Hempstead, where I grew up in West Hempstead, Long Island, New York. And they had a Kenes B'nei HaYeshivas. They invited guys who were, at that time, either high school or post-high school. I don't remember exactly what the age was that I started doing it, but I think it was post-high school. Uh, Me and some other of my contemporaries, some friends of mine, were asked by the synagogue. They had all of the... People came out to listen to us speak. And I spoke about the Gemara, which I'm going to share with you now. I spoke about some other things as well. I'm not going to get into because it's more halachic and I want to be more uh, agadic, let's say. But it's it's especially, it has a special place in my heart. It was the first time that I realized, or the second time, that I was able to speak in the way that I do. Baruch Hashem have been recording these podcasts for 16 years plus. So all of this combines to, ah, what a simcha, what a joy that we have when it comes to simcha's Torah, when it comes to sukkahs, when it comes to the mitzvahs, the sukkah, the lulav, the esrog, etc. So I'd like to read to you, the Gemara tells us that it's, the Gemara is talking about the fact that we have to, when we bring, when we shake a lulav and an esig on the first day, this year we won't be able to because the first day falls out on Shabbos. But ordinarily, when the first day is not on Shabbos, so we shake the lulav and the esig, but it must belong to us. Because the Pasuk says, You shall take for yourselves on the first day the four species. The lulav, the esig, the palm branch, the hadasim, the willow branches, the aravis, the... Uh, um, I'm blanking on what it's called in English, and and the I'm sorry. We got the willows, and we get. I always blank on these. Okay, 
<laughs> so these we take and it needs to belong to us. So the Gemara says that what if I give it as a gift to somebody? Let's say I purchase it and then I give it as a gift to somebody. But not just that, I give it as a gift on condition that you return it to me. Which means that if you don't return it to me, then it, it didn't belong to you in the first place. Right? I say it's yours, but only if you return it to me. Right? So such a thing works. You can give it as a gift on the condition that it will be returned. And while it's, while I've given it to you, let's say, so you can use it, it's yours, and then when you return it to me, it becomes mine again. So the, the that's the halachic basis for this, but it, the, the point that I want to bring out is something else, which the Bryce says like this. There was a story with these great sages, Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Shua, Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, the famous sages of the Talmud of the times of the Mishnah, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva was there, Shehubam Bisvina. They were traveling on a boat, and it was Sukkot. V'loiho yolulav el Rabbi Gamliel b'vad. There was only one lulav, one set of the Armaminim that was on the boat. Rabbi Gamliel had purchased it, and he had brought it with him. Shulakchei be'alav zuz. And he bought it for a thousand zoos. Okay, understand. We say on Pesach, Tizavan Abba betray Zuzi. That when a, a goat is purchased with two zoos, okay, a goat today is quite expensive. I don't know the exact prices, but I imagine it's a few hundred dollars, maybe even more. So this Lulav was purchased for one thousand zoosim. That's the price of, uh, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, 500 goats. Well, it's like an incredible amount of money. So he bought it for a thousand zoos. Not Gamliel was his. He took it. He shook the lulav, and he was he completed his his mitzvah. and he gave it to Rabbi Yeshua as a gift. Not Yeshua now had received it. It belonged to him, and has to belong to you. He took it, and he and he he did his mitzvah. So each of them gave it as a gift to the next rabbi, and then they shook it and they fulfilled their obligation. And at the end, Rabbi Kiva returned it back to the original owner, which was Rabbi Gamliel. So the Gemara says, Why does it have to tell us that he gave it back to him at the end? Because it's telling us this idea that if I give you a, a, a gift, on the condition that you return it, so it's considered yours in the meantime as you're holding it, as it's, uh, it's in your possession, as long as it's returned in the end. Now, the Gemara says, and this is the point that I wanted to bring out, Why does the Brisa need to tell us that it cost him a thousand Zuzim? It was an expensive... A set of the Lulav and the Esrog, a thousand Zuzim, tremendous amount of money. This is to teach us how precious, how precious the mitzvahs are to, to these great sages. The mitzvah is so precious, he'll spend a crazy amount of money. Obviously, it seems to me that it was a year where they didn't have a lot of them, right? If the other sages didn't even have one, Rabbi Gamaliel did have one, so it was clearly a time of scarcity when it came to the to these Arbaminim, and he was willing to spend a lot of money in order to have it. But you see how precious the mitzvahs are. 
especially to these great sages. But Rabbi Gamaliel, despite it being something that he spent a tremendous amount of money, he, first of all, had it for himself, but he was willing to share it. He didn't, it doesn't say anything about him charging them or anything. They all partook of it, and uh, he was generous with it. That's one part of the Gemara. The other part of the Gemara, which I want to read to you, which also displays, which also brings out the the love that we have for this mitzvah. Rabbi Lezer Bar Tzadik Omer. Rabbi says, This was the way of the people of Jerusalem. The people of Jerusalem were known for their great piety, for their tzidkus, their righteousness. What would they do in Jerusalem? They would have, they would hold on to this lulav and esrig, they would hold on to their Arminim as they left their house. They're on their way to the synagogue. They get to the synagogue. Even when they were when they were saying Shema, they were davening. They're holding their lulav and esrig the whole time. They would only put it down when they were called up for an aliyah to the Torah, or when they were uh, when it came time. If it was a kohen, a priest, so he needed to put it down in order to bless. The Jewish people. Let's say he would go to visit the sick or to to console the mourners. Everywhere they would go, they would be taking the the, the Lulav and Esrik with them. When they came to the Beis Medrash to study the Torah, so they would give it to the, to the hands of their son or their servant. To, to put it away. So the Gemara says, Mike Mashmullah, what does this teach us? Uh, what are they holding it so much for? This is to teach you how careful they were, how excited, how much alacrity that they had to do mitzvahs. And there's a Taisvah, Sandaf Lamit Tesamat Aleph, which I'm not going to read inside, but he brings down this Gemara and he explains that although really, the Pasuk says, and as soon as you pick it up, as soon as you take the four species together, you're Yotze, you fulfilled your obligation. The obligation is just to pick them up and hold them together. But there's also a continuation of the mitzvah. You can extend your mitzvah. It doesn't have to stop there just because you held it, you picked it up, maybe you shook it in the six directions. The mitzvah can continue. As long as you're holding it, as long as it's in your hand, you have a mitzvah. It says, They were they had such alacrity to do the mitzvah. They wanted the mitzvah so much that they held on to it all day in order to continue, that the mitzvah should continue. That shows there, interestingly, it doesn't say here, before it said <coughs> how dear the mitzvah was to them. Right? That's why he spent so much money. He spent a thousand zuz. But here it says, not just how dear it is, but how much they wanted to continue to hold it in their hands so that they could have that mitzvah, it should continue. So, the Jewish people are known, we are known, to this day, people spend tremendous amounts of money for their Lulav and Esrug. Today, everybody has their own, every kid has their own. And it's a big business. It's a big business, and it's a beautiful thing. 
It shows HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it shows Hashem, we see how precious this mitzvah is to the Jewish people, how important it is to us to keep this mitzvah. So, that's just like, that's cool, very nice, but I'd like to share a little bit of a depth of what it means to us. Why Why is it so important? Let's look in here, the Medrash. Pasuk says, Tells us a very interesting thing. The Medrash here, if you look in uh, Parsha Lamed, in Parsha's Emor, in the 30th section of Sefer Vayikra, in Parsha's Emor, so it goes through many different ideas, it's pages and pages and pages, trying to understand what is the depth of the mitzvah. Many of us are familiar, perhaps, with, we find that each of the different parts of the mitzvah represent different aspects of the Jewish people, this thing has a smell and a taste. This thing has no smell, no taste. This thing has a taste and no smell. This one has a smell and no taste, representing different aspects of the Jewish people. The tzaddikim, the righteous individuals who have a smell and a taste. The people who are not so righteous, but all of it, all of it is part of the Jewish people. They come together. We bring all the parts of the Jewish people together. We need everybody, whether they're the biggest tzaddikim or whether they're even people who are not righteous. They don't have too many mitzvahs. They don't have too much Torah. But we, we need everybody. It's a famous word. It's actually in the Medjashir. There's many different explanations. We'll actually see one one of them soon, which I don't remember encountering in the past, and perhaps you've never encountered it as well. It might be new for you as well. But the Medjash says something interesting. After we've explained everything, all the different reasons for it, the Medjash says, the truth is that we don't really know. We don't appreciate. We don't have a deep conception, really, of what this mitzvah is about. After all of the wisdom, the Torah says that Shlomo HaMelech, King Solomon had, So even though the Torah, Torah testifies that he was the most brilliant human being that ever lived, but when it came to trying to understand what is the reasoning, what is the depth of the mitzvah, of the armaminim, of the four species. He didn't know. Pasuk says in Proverbs, written by King Solomon, chapter 30, verse 18, there are three things that are beyond me. What are these three things, the Medrash says, that were beyond King Solomon? Pesach Matzomoror. Excuse me. The first... The first set of things that Shlomo said, I can't really understand it all the way to its depth, is the mitzvah of Nisan, the mitzvah of Pesach, which is the carbon Pesach, the matzah that we eat, and the mower that we eat. So even though we have an understanding, it's important to, to get. Even though we have, you know, the Torah tells us, because we eat the mower because it's, they, they made our lives very bitter, etc. We, we have some reasoning for it, but Shlomo says, Although I understand something, but I know that I don't really understand it down to its depth. And the Pasuk says, Because for those three, there's another four that I don't know. He's trying to understand what are these four, the Arba Minim, the four species. So we know what they are, as we said before. Lulav, the Esrig, Hadassim, and Aravis. But if you read the Pasuk, the way that it refers to them is a little bit nebulous. It's not so clear. 
It's you could you could think that it's a different fruit. It just says pre eitz hadar. Right? Shlomo says, "How do I know?" The pasuk says it in an unclear way. Pre eitz hadar. What does Paris mean? Paris Hadar. It says, you should bring a beautiful fruit. There's lots of trees that have beautiful fruits. What makes this one <coughs> a beautiful fruit? Interestingly, in modern Hebrew, Eitz Hadar means a citrus fruit. So there are many citrus fruits. How do I know that it's a citron? How do I know that it's an esrig? Kapois Tamarim. The Pesach says you should bring Kapois Tamarim. The Pusik says kapois, which sounds like it's plural, but what do we actually do? We bring one. We bring one lulav, one uh, palm friend, or one of the other things that it's brought down here is that why don't we bring the fruit? Why, you know, we bring the, the esrik, right? Why don't, why don't we bring the fruit? Of the date palm, what do you bring the the fruit is it's it's sweet, it's delicious. Bring bring that, but we don't. Now, there's in each of the different points of the Torah mentioning the way that it 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 refers to each of the different components of the Arbaminim. We could always ask, why? How do we know that it's this one? Banaf eats a voice, right? The Hadassim. The myrtle branch, there it is, that's the word. The myrtle branch. So, me, Yoimashu Hadas, who says that it's a myrtle branch, are you, Yoimer? And the Buzzard just says, it's a voice, which means a, 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 some kind of branch which has, uh, it looks like a chain. It looks like uh, it, has, it has levels. There's a Pusuk, which seems to indicate that Hadas. Is not the same thing as eitz avos. It's a different tree. Pasuk refers to these two in the same verse. So a harv view ali zayis, etc., etc., and it says ali hadas, ali avos, eitz ali eitz avos. So it seems to be separate. It seems to not be the same thing. But nevertheless, we have a mesorah. We have a tradition. We know what it is. It's a willow branch. I'm sorry. It's a myrtle branch. Rabbi Noachal. And willow branches, has it referred to the willow? It refers to it as the 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 branches that grow on a lot of water. <laughs> says the Gemara, says the Medrash, every tree grows on water. Oh, so wait, so this is something that we know because we have a Masora. It's something that we know because our sages tell us. This is what these branches are. So, so Shlomo Melech says, it's trying to tell us that from the verses itself, it's left unclear, as we said. But we have a Masorah as to what they mean. Which I think is so important because, as we saw, as we mentioned, part of the idea here is that there's a love that Hashem has. Think about it. If we're bringing together all the different parts of the Jewish people, so there's a certain love that Hashem has for us, even if we're imperfect, even if we're not the greatest tzaddikim, <coughs> even if we're not as righteous as we'd like to be. Still, Hashem loves us, and He wants us all to join together. He wants us to love each other. He wants us to be in one bundle. But 
we he wants us to know that we need to follow the sages, right? We need to follow the words of the sages in order to understand what is the Masor, what is the tradition <coughs> specifically about these items. So the Medjish finishes off and says, Elu ar ba'o minim shakol echad, nechem yisar hoich v'ratz v'lekech lo'imhen, l'halo l'kodesh baruchu. We know that we shake the lulav and the esrig as we say halal, right? As we say these amazing praises of Hashem for having taken us out of Egypt, for having protected us and continuing to protect us until this very day. But He protected us in the wilderness for 40 years. The elements are quite difficult in the wilderness. Hashem took care of us. He protected us. He gives the clouds of glory to protect us. So we praise Hashem. We praise Hashem for the bounty. We we know we just came out of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur and we got a good judgment. We we are sure of it. We come out. The Major says that the lulav also represents this like sword. We won. We won the battle. So here we are. We're praising Hashem with this with this mitzvah. Says the Medrash, they don't seem to be like so significant. Like. Like, what is this mitzvah? It's a branch. It's a fruit. It's, a, it's like a lemon. Different branches. But even though we don't understand it, as, and as Shlomo Melch says, it's, it's not only don't we understand, the Pasuk is vague. It's only something that we know through tradition exactly what, even what it is. So it's even more like, wow, I mean, uh, it's, it makes us... You know, when you understand something, you connect to it more. When you have a depth of understanding in something, so you, you feel more connected to it. But the message is saying, despite all the explanations that we've said, we don't really understand this mitzvah. We don't even, it doesn't even make sense to us that the branches that we're using are the ones that the Torah refers to. It's not even so clear. These are great in front of Hashem. <coughs> This mitzvah is an awesome mitzvah in front of Hashem. We don't appreciate or recognize how amazing and how awesome and how exalted and how significant, virtually significant the mitzvah is. But we do it. But Hashem knows how amazing it is and how great it is. As we said, so who explained that these are these, that it's the citron, that it's the that it's the lulav branch, that it's the the myrtle, that it's the willow branch. Our sages teach us this. And we do this. We do this. So there's a certain simplicity in the mitzvah. There's a certain simplicity that we go through. And yet I'd like to share with you one last thought, which has to do with what besides for as we said it 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 hints to the different people within the Jewish people that we're bringing together and the achtas. But there's another aspect of it. <coughs> Medrash tells us. The fruit, the beautiful fruit, Hadar, says the Medrash, this represents Hashem. And as the Mephoshim say, Hashem's name is composed of four different letters, a Yud, and then a He, and then a Vav, and then a hey. Okay, so each of these letters has a different aspect 
of the way that we experience Hashem, just like, you know, Hashem has many names. Hashem is sometimes called Hashem, sometimes He's called Elohim, sometimes He's the God of judgment, sometimes He's the God of mercy, He's the same God, but it's how we, you know, it's how we experience Him. Each of these different fruits represent a different aspect of Hashem. But we see that Hashem is referred to with the word of Hadar, just like this, the Esrig is referred to with the, the word of Hadar. Hadar Hashem clothes Himself in splendor and beauty. Hashem also is represented, or an aspect of Hashem is represented by the Lulav. Pasuk says that the righteous one blossoms like a a date palm. And the righteous one, besides for the Pashup Shad and the Pasuk, which means that it's talking about a tzaddik, a righteous individual, it's also referring to Hashem. Hashem is tzaddik Hashem, we say in Ashrei. Hashem is righteous. And so there's an aspect of Hashem which is represented by the Lulav. The myrtle. And we find that Hashem stands amongst the myrtle branches. The myrtle branches represent the tzaddikim, the righteous individuals that Hashem manifests through. But the word hadas, the myrtle, is used in reference to Hashem and His manifestation. The willow branch is also represented because it's represent Hashem because it says about Hashem because God rides Ba'aravis, the highest level of heaven. There are seven levels. Seven levels. The highest one is called Aravis. I don't know what that means. I'm not going to get into that. We're running out of time. But Hashem rides on Aravis. So each of these aspects, each of the four parts of the, the, the Dalad Minim represents HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So I'd like to say it's like this. I'll wrap it up by saying like this. We connect to the mitzvah. We connect. What are we connecting to? We connect, and it's, it's so important to connect simply to the mitzvah, like the Medrash said before, like we read before. It's important to connect to it simply. We don't understand it. But on another level, and and. I can, you know, like the Anshe Yerushalayim, I can love this mitzvah, I don't totally understand it, I'm going to just hold it with me, I just want to do this mitzvah, it's Hashem's mitzvah. On another level, we connect to Klal Yisrael, the achtas, the joining together the different aspects of the Jewish people. But on another level, when we hold it, it's like, I'm willing to pay a thousand zoos, I'm willing, uh, Rabbi Gamliel was willing to pay thousands of dollars to have a lulav and an eserg. Why? Perhaps we could say, because he, he recognized that manifest, besides her, all the other things manifest within the Dalad Minim is a representation of Hashem. The glory of Hashem. The, the way that Hashem manifests through the tzaddikim, through the righteous. It's all represented in these, in these four different species. The citron, the, the lulav, the esrig, the hadasim, the aravis. We bring them together and we shake it. We can shake it simply. We can think about Hakadosh Baruch Hu as we shake it. We can we can have all different types of kavanas, but the end of it all is how precious it is, how precious the mitzvah is. We're willing to spend money on it. How precious, how beloved, how special, how connected we are 
to the mitzvah. We want to hold it all day long. We don't want to let go. We know we only have, usually we have seven days. This year we only have six days because one of the days, the first day is, is Shabbos. But how precious the mitzvah is and how much we want to hold on to it. Because what we really want to hold on to is the connection to Hashem, to God. And I want to bless you and ask you to bless me. Hashem should help us. We should be able to go through these incredible days of sukkahs, besimcha, with joy, sitting with our families in the sukkah, shaking the, the lulav and esrog as we are mahalel, as we praise Hashem for all of the kindness and all the goodness that He has done for us, that He does for us, that is going to do for us. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos and a wonderful Yantif. This podcast was made possible through the gracious donations of listeners like you. For more podcasts like this, please visit www.arigoldwag.com or search on iTunes, Ari Goldwag.